0: Hey everyone, and welcome to this podcast on managing diabetes during the festive season. My name's Jan and I'll be your host today. And I'm also ha- happy to have Alini Giorgio here to discuss a topic that's very important when it comes to diabetes management during a time when diabetes may not be front of mind. Alini is an established private practice dietitian at Tree of Life Nutrition in Brisbane and has over 10 years experience in the industry. She is also a strong believer in the power of food and is passionate about spreading this message to the wider community. Lini has a thorough understanding of the needs of today's society and aims to steer away from fad diets and trends and and instead promotes good wholesome eating that can be tailored to each person's need to create sustainable nutrition choices. Lini's special interests include cardiovascular disease, weight management, diet management, gut health, metabolic syndrome, and applying the Mediterranean diet. So hi, Helene, and thank
1: you so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Jan. Thank you for having me for my very first podcast experience. Um, I'm excited to be a part of it.
0: Well, I've eaten well today, so I won't bite <laughs> you, so it'll be all good. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Okay so today as I said we'll be talking about managing diabetes during the festive season with a special focus on diet. So to start with can you tell us how we can help our clients during the festive season so that they don't feel like missing out due to their diabetes?
1: Of course so look as you mentioned in my bio I'm I'm quite a balanced kind of thought process um, as a practitioner where I like to steer away from the over restriction and the I guess over-restriction ends up with stress and anxiety, especially around the silly season. So as cliche as it might sound, it really is about the word balance. And I feel like I get some eye rolls whenever I say the word balance because it (laughs) it feels very general. However, it's essentially what it's about, but we find it hard to sometimes define what that balance is. But for me, the balance is really acknowledging the difference between foods that we need to be having every day and the sometimes foods and also acknowledging that this festive season is a sometimes season. It doesn't happen all the time. So it allows for some of those sometimes foods to come in, obviously, within our control. And on top of everything, we have to make sure that our clients have a positive relationship with food, because if that turns a little bit ugly in our minds, these kind of habits or poor habits potentially can exceed past the silly season and really impact our day-to-day. So another reason why acknowledging that the balance is important. So I always chat to my clients about what we can control. We we can't stress about controlling things that are, are not in our control. And sometimes during the festive season we aren't in charge of the catering. We might not know what restaurants we're going to or what's going to be on the Christmas feast table. So what we can control is what we personally put on our plates, or how much we eat off our plate. So, portion size is one of the first things that I talk about, and acknowledging that whatever is being served is open. We can have it. Nothing should be really off limits during this time. So, we're seeing the moderation of what's on our plate or what's being served, and controlling our portions. So, this is where the principles come in of our balanced plate. How much do we have our sometimes foods? Do we grab a bigger plate for our desserts or a smaller plate for our desserts? I really want our clients to acknowledge that they can choose from that whole table. And knowing that you don't have to miss out. We have to be mindful, don't get me wrong, but you don't have to miss out because that can be a detriment going back into our everyday foods and our everyday lives. So we really have to learn moderation. And, And we talk about this as we keep going today about the different ways to moderate and the different strategies but we have to accept that things look a little bit different during this time but it, that doesn't have to be a negative aspect and we, we need to know that the door opens but then the door also closes so sounds very general um, but we've got some strategies up our sleeve to help balance that a bit more. Great thank you a woman after my own heart thank you for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have trouble with it myself but you know, mm. I don't have diabetes. Everyone does. <laughs> so, finding a balance is important for everyone with or without diabetes. And I wonder the festive seasons often associated with indulgence or overindulgence, as we were just saying. So, can clients find the right balance so that they're enjoying the season but also managing their diabetes? Absolutely.
1: Um, and it is really, again, that balance. And, like I mentioned earlier, we need to keep our principles. So an example of what that might be with acknowledging that food can be a bit different, our principles don't have to change. So rather than being over concerned about the types of food options, knowing that this period is temporary, let's keep our principles. So for example, if a client usually has their carbohydrates mainly at lunch and normally a lighter carbohydrate load at dinner, we can keep this. That doesn't have to change. Yes, the carbohydrate, Source might be different at lunch and it might be different at dinner and the types will be different, but it doesn't mean we let go of our overall principles. Um, It's the same as if anyone is following a form of intermittent fast, they might keep the timing of their day but yes, the food will change. So they've still got hold of their everyday strategies with accepting that it's looking a little bit different. So it avoids that major all-or-nothing approach. So if that's a um, the a very common. Um, distribution of carbs is to have most of them during that lunch period so that we can use them across the day. So if we can keep that, then it is um, one step towards finding that right balance for that client. And then with indulgence or overindulgence, I'm a big advocate for mindful eating. And it's um, it's a complex Sometimes a complex concept, It's or sometimes it might seem very common sense to the point where we actually forget to do it. And mindful eating is about paying attention to what we're doing. And I think during this festive season, there's a lot of distractions. We're socializing. There's, it's very rare that we're just sitting down. You know, we're moving around. There's different formats of events. And we're distracted. We're socializing and talking. And before we know it, I can't even tell you what I've eaten today because that wasn't my focus. And that's a clear indication that I wasn't eating mindfully. So one of the biggest things is with that portion control, always start small. There is always opportunity for more. But a lot of my clients describe to me, whatever I put on my plate, I have to eat. We've, we've got this wastage fear and it's ingrained in our minds since we were young. And of course, it's valid and we need to um, keep that in our minds. But the solution is start small. It doesn't mean that you're restricted to that, but it means that you've given yourself the opportunity to finish what you've eaten, have a think about how it's made you feel, where are you, what's the time, where are we in the sense of entrees, mains, desserts, do we wait, are we actually full? It gives yourself that little break, that little pause to ask yourself those questions to see if you actually need to get more. If a client is genuinely hungry, they're not full from that smaller plate, By all means, let's go and get seconds. But I guarantee you, I can almost guarantee you that those two small plates would not have equaled that one larger one that you might have started off with. And we would have finished it because it's on our plate. The other thing is with mindful eating is paying attention to when you are eating. So it's simple things like paying attention to the colours, what's on your plate, the combinations that you get on your fork, the textures, the tastes. That automatically makes you more satisfied from that meal because we're paying attention and we're slowing down. Like I said earlier, we're distracted when I'm talking to someone and and before I know it, my plate's empty. And again, I don't even know what I just ate. I can't tell you the textures and the tastes. So I'm automatically thinking I probably need more because I didn't reach that satisfaction level. So overall, keep your principles the same, but then practice that mindful eating, which like I said, sounds simple but you'd be surprised that we just naturally forget about it.
0: I can appreciate that with the distractions (laughs) on the silly season. Thank you for Mm. that. So what kind of carbohydrate knowledge would be helpful during the festive season? Is it worthwhile for
1: CDEs to be teaching about carbs and counting prior to the silly season? Carbohydrate counting is really useful for clients and it really uh, some people like to work with Numbers and boundaries, but then on the other hand, I think it can put too much emphasis on numbers and control, almost in a negative light. Just during the festive season, I think in our daily lives, carbohydrate counting is really um, a great tool, but it can also lead to stress and anxiety around these times. When we're carbohydrate counting every day in our li- in our everyday lives, we typically can carbohydrate count really accurately and we can estimate things pretty accurately because we're in control. So as soon as we add an extra element of unpredictableness, we don't know what's being served, we're really relying on the eye. Can I see a carb? Can I maybe see a hidden carb? Or can I guess what they've used for that dressing? So it can automatically become a little bit stressful and a little bit of a trigger for anxiety during those times because there's so many unknowns. So, I recommend that a more holistic approach is to be taken during the silly season. Again, that word balance rather than the restriction. By all means, if a client really feels like carbohydrate counting keeps them on track, even just as an estimation, accepting that it might be more or less, then absolutely, we continue that strategy, especially if they're already in a habit and they're already in a routine about it. But I don't think we need to overly recommend it or encourage it um, as practitioners. And it is very individualised because we just, again, we want it to be enjoyable. We know that this is a temporary season and we can get through it with controlling the controllables.
0: Thanks for that, Leanie. Uh, so how can people with diabetes manage carbs during meals, especially main meals, when there can be so many hidden uh, carbs in the meal
1: perhaps on
0: around this time.
1: Oh, Exactly. And and that's half the battle because even despite us having a really good knowledge base on carbs and possibly serving sizes, there are going to be hidden carbs. We, we don't know what's happened in the kitchen. We don't know if they've added sugar to a dressing or, or as typically simple refined sugars. We don't necessarily can see with the eye. We can have a guess, but we can't see The complex carbohydrates, they're pretty obvious. They stick out like a sore thumb on our plate most of the time. But again, there's some hidden here and there in the the back of ingredients, in the back of recipes. So as uh, talking earlier with the portion size, the step below carb counting for me is that portion control, but using our plate as our visual tool. So most of us know about the healthy plate image. We've probably seen it a million times where typically our vegetables take up half your plate Your carbohydrates take up your quarter and the other quarter consists of the protein source. And I think that is the easiest way and the quickest way to balance out your plate just so that can kind of automatically give us an idea of that carb load. That, of course, doesn't account for all the hidden carbs, but it can help us control almost the 85% of that plate. Okay, so dishes that usually fit within that carbohydrate category will obviously typically consist of things like rice dishes, pasta dishes, potato, potato salad, um, bread types of options, anything grain based. But what we do need to be aware of, like you said, is those hidden carbs. So, a typical example, is a salad. A salad, just by saying the word, it's like, okay, that should be lower carb. Obviously, I'm going to ask more questions. Is it pasta salad? Is it a rice-based salad, a pasta salad? But if it's purely just a non-starchy veggie-based salad, we've got to question the dressing. You know, if it's a clear dressing, is it a vinaigrette base? Is it sometimes in Asian-based salads, they do actually use brown sugar? Obviously, in something that looks creamy, are they using yogurts, mayos, fats? You know, so it's it's being mindful of amongst that balance of your carbs, your proteins and your fibres on that plate, how many possible hidden carbs are, are there? It's not about being able to identify all of them, but it's about breaking it down across the plate and seeing the ratios in each of those categories. And the other thing is when we can't accurately measure those hidden carbs or if we're not feeling confident in identifying them, adding extra protein or balancing your plate with non-carbohydrate-based fibres, so mostly your vegetables or nuts and seeds, they can actually help influence the the process of breaking down that carbohydrate to balance out the pace. Um, We try to avoid those major spikes in sugars and sometimes balancing the combinations can help, especially when we can't identify all the carbs on the plate. Great, thank you for that. So just sticking with carbs for the minute, how does timing
0: impact diabetes management in this case? So how can people with diabetes better manage this during larger festive days, for example? family lunches
1: and bigger gatherings like that so like i mentioned earlier a a common strategy um, so to speak is to try to adjust the timing of your carbs rather than just say i can't have them or i need to significantly reduce them so we've got to remember what carbs are right they're our fuel that's our energy source and we've got to think well where's our body going to have the most opportunity to use that and where does it Where do I not give my body so much opportunity to use that fuel? Typically, and I say typically, that is during the day where we've got the most opportunity to use it. So, we're still moving around. Obviously, our minds are still hopefully sharp at that point. So, this means that we've got to fuel up at that point, which means we can have the opportunity to use the carbs. They're not just sitting around looking for a job to do. So, this correlates into making lunch your main meal where we can help it. OK, which means moving our carb load, keeping it at lunch, but leaving it out at dinner or significantly reducing it. So an example is lunch might be half your plate as carbs and dinner might be a quarter of the plate so that you've still got all three components, but they're in their individual ratio based on the time of the day. What this will do is obviously, like I mentioned, it's it's making sure that your body is using those carbs but it also manages the blood sugar regulation across the day as well. So despite us allowing for flexibility and kind of balance, we still want to avoid major spikes and and troughs in our blood sugars. So having them during the day is really important to maintain that stability in our blood sugars. But reducing them at night, and like I said, it doesn't necessarily have to be to nothing, um, especially for our clients who find that they do need a carbohydrate source at night to balance that fasting level in the morning. But of course, a really high carbohydrate meal at nighttime will negatively impact that fasting blood sugar level. So I usually um, recommend that lunch is our main meal where we can help it. But I really want to stress the point that it doesn't mean no carbs at night. It just means a reduction compared to lunch. And that'll reflect what your body will do with it. Thank you for that. So
0: just moving on then to the festive period in the workplace, how can people with diabetes manage work functions and Christmas parties, for example, and what kind of strategies would be helpful for optimal management, but enable people with diabetes to enjoy
1: themselves without too much burden? So when we spoke about balance, it only it not only means balance in the day, but it can be balance across the whole festive season. We can look at the bigger picture. I I ask my clients a lot, like this time of year, this October, November area, I'm asking my clients, next time I see you, come back with your festive season social calendar and let's try to work around it. Not just in each of those scenarios, but total. So we might say, okay, what are going to be the events that feel easy to manage and what events are you feeling a little bit more anxious about? So we can balance the whole season to say, well, here we might Really try to be as strict as we can just to allow for the unpredictableness of the other event that we're a little bit more nervous about. So that's one strategy of finding the balance, especially for those um, those clients who do have a really busy festive season between work and family and friends it can add up. And typically I find that it goes for six to eight weeks. It's, it isn't just in December. <laughs> it starts to come. I, I'm preparing myself <laughs> to start my Christmas talk probably next week because it's we're going to tick over into that November period anyway. So the festive season can become longer than we think. So balancing the whole um, the whole time is just as important as balancing each event and each day. On the other hand, when balancing within that single event, it really does depend on the catering style. So, we've got, you know, you've got buffets. We can control our portion. We have no control of what's being served, but we can control our portion. With canapes, appetizers, shared plates, my biggest tip, and it's something I have to remind myself to do, is to create a plate for yourself rather than continuously grazing. So, I mentioned earlier, sometimes we can get to the end of a conversation or even the event, and I can't remember what I've eaten. I know I've eaten, but I just can't remember what exactly was on my plate. And that happens a lot when we actually don't serve ourselves on a plate. So if it's something where there's shared plates in the middle or what are they called, the shakaturi boards, I've probably butchered that name, but those boards where it's all the deli meats and the crackers and the cheese, they're Mm. pretty much at every event now and and we can gravitate towards an area like that and we're socialising. And by the time I've realised, I've just been picking rather than going up to um, a serving platter like that with my plate putting a bit of this, bit of that on there, I can quantify it. And one of the biggest things I say to my patients is at the end of every event, if I was to call you and say, hey, Jane, what did you eat today? You should be able to tell me. And if you can't, we probably weren't as mindful or we probably weren't portion sizing as well as we should be. So trying to be in control of knowing what we're eating by serving ourselves and portioning it out and and obviously it's going to depend on that um, style of catering as well, without obviously, again, over restriction. It's just the balance, the moderation, the mindful eating. So that was the answer to that question. And, and it's it can chop and change based on the um the event. But yeah. Terrific. Thanks for that.
0: So we've covered carbs and eating, but what about carbs in drinks, alcoholic and not out al- non alcoholic? What's the right balance and how can people with diabetes manage the number and type of drinks during functions and gatherings?
1: Fantastic question, because it's one that we can tend to forget about. I think we focus so much on food and we become really confident with food, but we forget about the liquid carbohydrates and the the liquid calories in some cases. And before we know it, again, it runs away from us because either someone's been refilling our glass without us noticing um, or we really have no control. That's very common. So the first thing I say, again, the B word, the balance, is I encourage my clients to stay hydrated. Alcohol itself, irrespective of diabetes being in the picture, it can dehydrate us. So for every alcoholic drink you have, have a glass of water with it or after it to balance hydration. There are so many events where I leave and I think, I don't actually think I had a glass of water. Not that I'm necessarily feeling it at this point, but it catches up to us. So try for that one-to-one ratio just to make sure that we're almost flying in when some damage is being done. The other thing is planning where you can. So if you can, decide how many drinks is appropriate for you. And again, it's that social calendar of thinking, well, that event might not be so alcohol-based, but this one will be. So, I need to create a boundary for myself during that, um, that particular event. So, you might say, okay, I'm going to have two to three glasses just to throw a number out there. After that, it's not that you have to go to water and feel like you're not participating because we do have to acknowledge those sorts of environments when we feel pressure and we feel pressure to Almost match what everyone else is doing, or if we feel like we're not participating or fitting in, if we're not. So, we do have to consider that as well. But I always swap to a sparkling water, but I put a lemon and lime in. We call it a little, you know, bougie on a budget, if you've heard that kind of term before, of thinking, well, how do I participate and how do I still feel like I'm in this world, but I'm not, you know, going against my goals and my beliefs as well. So, sparkling water with a lemon or a lime. I haven't mentioned soft drinks because obviously that has its own kind of um sugar load as well but Mm. from an alcohol perspective it can be an alternative but otherwise looking for um water lemon lime if there's a punch even just to get away from the alcohol for now but then we like i said we need to consider the sugar load of those even the non-alcoholic drinks so pre-planning is a is a massive one but then if we're there having a look at if there's low-carb options. So vodka and tequila tend to be, as spirits tend to be a lower-carb um, option, but seltzers, for example, they're becoming quite popular. They're sparkling water-based. You know, a lot of people are making mm. um, punches and spritz, spritzes out of that sort of, um, it's becoming a lot more popular, which is great because it's very sparkling water-based rather than soft drinks. Because despite us maybe sticking to the lower-carbohydrate Um, spirits we've got to consider what it's mixed with you know is it mixed with juices syrups are we having cocktails are we is there excess fruit in punches you know so there's lots of secret not so secret sugars and um Mm. sugar culprits in those fancy fun drinks so we just have to be aware even if the alcohol source itself is actually quite suitable um, wine and sparkling wine can also be a better option. Obviously, beer is a higher carb option where the lower carb ones aren't available. So that really can be a loaded an, loaded option. But again, balance, B word. You can have alcohol. Please feel like you can have it. But it's managing our hydration, managing how much, so that portion control aspect again, and then seeing if there are other options where obviously it's on offer that we can look for the reduced carb um, varieties. Thank you for that.
0: So how can CDEs upskill themselves in dietary aspects of diabetes management so that they improve their own service delivery, especially, I guess, those who, who don't come from a dietetics background?
1: Absolutely, and I think it's really important to establish some approaches that don't include numbers. You know, we we spoke earlier about the effect of counting carbs during this time. So it's using qualitative data or qualitative measurements. So first I think we can um, improve our knowledge about those secret carbs that we can help our clients identify them and also for ourselves. We can identify the secret carbs that are not so, you know, hitting us in the face like a potato would or a pasta would. And then looking at those healthy plate ratios that I spoke about earlier with the half, the quarter and the quarter because this allows us to quantify without numbers. I'm also a massive massive advocate for hand portion control and visual tools. So I always talk to my patients about just using your hands. You know, they're there. Let's use them as a qualitative measurement where we might say a palm-sized protein Half a fistful of carb or a fistful of carb, a hand cup amount of veggies or two cups. So it allows the client to quickly just have a look on their plate, quickly compare to their hand size and just say, I think I'm, I'm almost there. I'm on track. I'm definitely not exceeding where I need to be, but I feel like we've got the balance because we want We want this period to be easy for our clients. We want it to be fun and happy, stress-free without that anxiety around food. And like I mentioned earlier, one of my top goals as a dietitian is to help my clients have a positive relationship with food. I'd rather that person come out of the festive season saying, I think I was 70% there, but I felt really good versus a client that comes out of the festive season saying, I did pretty perfectly." But I also didn't enjoy myself. It was hard, it was difficult. I was stressed. I would rather the seventy percent and feeling really good about it. That is one of the biggest things across not just festive seasons, but events as well and holidays. We all deserve it. And the other the other option I use is I like using a budget system with my clients, and we can apply this for anywhere. you know we we apply budgets with our money so we can say, this is how much I'm spending on this and this is how much I'm spending on that. And when that budget runs out, we don't have a choice. So, we, we I approach that the same with clients who accept this sort of strategy and find that it's it will be motivating and it encouraging for them. Is okay, what's your budget for your alcohol? How many glasses per day or per week or per event? How much dessert? How much of this? How much of that? So, I actually get my clients to come up with those numbers on the spot. And it's a strategy I use just for everyday balance, too, with takeaways and and, um, alcohol and ice cream and such. It's like, well, what's your budget for the week? If you spent your budget for that festive season the first week, unfortunately, we haven't really rationed it out for the end. Rather than, okay, I've got my budget and I'm going to portion it out pretty controlled across the festive season. So some clients like that strategy. And some clients actually sometimes feel like I couldn't stop thinking about the budget. It was overtaking me. (laughs) So it can can happen both ways. Fair enough. Thank you for that.
0: So just in getting coming towards the end of this, um, is there any other advice you would like to give our listeners in terms of regarding diabetes management during
1: the festive season? Look, above all, make sure you be kind to yourselves. Okay, remember the temporary nature of this time. We don't, I, well, I see all too often that behaviour is post a festive season or a event or a holiday become forms of almost self-punishment of I'm just going to have to over-restrict for the next week or I'm just going to have to cut this, cut that. We We look to compensate and we don't want to be doing that. Remember, we want to be the 70% person comfortable rather than the 100% uncomfortable person. Please be kind to yourselves and enjoy it because there's just – this is what it's made for. We need to enjoy this period and find joy out of it. And overcompensating and and those self-punishment behaviours post um, any festive season, it's not proactive. And if anything, it prolongs your regular dietary strategies and those regular strategies that work for you from being put back into practice. And before we know it, it's February and March before we even feel like we're on our feet again. So if anything, open the door, close the door. You know, avoid that all or nothing approach because we just need the balance of the sometimes and the everyday as well. And of course, accepting again, like I said earlier, that this is going to look different. Your food and drink will look a little bit different, but that doesn't have to mean that you completely lose control or that it's a bad thing. We just have to learn what we can control and grab onto that to get us to that 70% comfortably because that's a pretty good ratio in my mind.
0: Right, Alimi. look, thank you so much for, for giving your time today. It's really been great to talk to you and to hear your lovely practical suggestions on this topic. So, And also to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. To obtain CPD credit for this podcast, please go to the ADA Learning Management System at learning.adea.com.au and complete a feedback evaluation. So until next time, goodbye from me. Thank you.